Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News. Tuesday, June 29, 2021. Stand up for your country. Lots of people on vacation already. So July 4th is on Sunday. So that means Monday's a federal holiday, but nobody will work on Friday. And so people say, well, maybe I'll take the whole week off and then I'll back it in to a nine-day vacation. And that's smart. If I could, I would. Uh, but I can't. And I'm glad you're here. Uh, because people are all over the place. So I got some stuff to tell you tonight that's very important for you to know the why of what's going on in your country, not the what. Um, You can find that out easy listening to the pinheads on TV or uh, radio. And they're not all pinheads, but most of them are. But you don't get the why. You'll get the why tonight. And and some of it's very interesting. So President Biden, this will be his last thing before the 4th of July break. He'll He'll probably split for Rehoboth, I think, Wednesday night or Thursday sometime. He's got a nice house out there on the Delaware coast, and it's a nice place. Um, And if I were him, I'd get out there as well. I'm not going to criticize him for doing that. Um, But he went to La Crosse, Wisconsin. Everybody goes to La Crosse, Wisconsin. I I asked myself, find out why everybody goes to La Crosse. Nobody knows. So he's going there to bore everybody in Wisconsin to death by talking about the infrastructure framework bill bipartisan, blah, 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 blah. No one will listen because, number one, even in the most compelling situations, Joe Biden's boring. And number two, you say the word infrastructure and then people's eyes glaze over. What you need to know about this bill is that'll be less than half of what Mr. Biden originally wanted. It'll get passed in some form, but below one trillion, of course, he wanted two trillion. Now, is that a victory? It is in a way um, imposing at least some discipline on federal spending. But, you know, again, people are just wandering around. It doesn't affect them directly now. It will. But unless unless circumstances affect people directly, like I'm getting hit in the face by snow or it's 120 and my car is melting, all right, then they don't really react. It's got to be a direct hit, and there will be. It's coming, and I'll get to that in a moment. We have Miss Monica Crowley, by the way, uh, who I think you're going to want to stick around for. Uh, she uh, worked for the Treasury Department under Trump and has got some thoughts about Uh, all of this uh, money stuff going on. So President Trump, he's starting to mobilize a little bit earlier than I thought he would, but he senses big weakness in the Biden administration. So he's going to the border uh, tomorrow, uh, and he's going to go to West Laco, Texas, which is in the Rio Grande Valley. He's going to be with the governor of Texas. Uh, They're going to answer questions about the chaotic border. And this is all an attempt to show up the Biden administration. And then he's going to go and do a town hall with Sean Hannity in the afternoon at South Texas International Airport in Edinburgh, again on the border, uh, in an airplane hangar. And then Hannity, of course, will show it on his Fox broadcast that night. So the reason Trump's doing this, and he pays for this out of his campaign funding. So if you donated Donald Trump, He didn't spend it all in the last election. He can spend it on anything he wants. And as I told you, he told me 
he'd like to run for president again. So all of this expense is covered uh, by the donations that he got and continues to get. And his political action committee is a big deal. That's what Kimberly Guilfoyle runs. She was on last week. They raise millions of dollars and they can pay for these events. So Donald Trump can go anywhere he wants um, and say anything he wants. I thought he would wait until the end of this year, maybe early next year, 22. But he's, he senses the weakness. He wants to embarrass Biden. And he doesn't have an outlet because social media is still banning him. So he does these events. And, you know, the Hannity thing tomorrow night, that'll get some viewership. I mean, that'll get a, a pretty wide audience. It'll be picked up by social media. Now, um, Trump is Trump. He's not going to change. I'm going to see him next week. Uh, I'll have a, a lot to tell you about that on Tuesday. Um, I'm going to see him on Wednesday, and we're going to do a few surprise things that I think you'll be uh, wanting to follow. But anyway, Trump's not going to change. He's not going to moderate. He's not going to rethink. He's never going to do that. He's not going to ever concede the election. Um, he is going to be him. All right, that's it. So the chance he has is the economy in America gets so bad that you feel pain. You, the American voter. Once you feel pain, it's not going to matter whether Donald Trump's bombastic or not. It's going to matter that he did a good job in the economy, and he did. Anybody who tells you that Donald Trump's four years in office were not an improvement in economic measures is lying to you. And you should never, ever debate that with them. If somebody says that, you should just say, okay, thank you, and go get a cup of coffee or a soda. No sugar in the soda, though. Um, but anyway, because it is a fact that Donald Trump brought his business expertise to the White House and improved the economy. Spent too much money, no doubt about it, he did, federal dollars, but he improved for everybody. So Trump now involved in a mini feud that I can't quite figure out with William Barr, the attorney general. We have a good letter I'm going to read about this uh, later on. Now, apparently Barr, and I, I can't figure this out at all, um, gave an interview to Jonathan Carl, who's the ABC correspondent, White House correspondent, who hates Trump. And, and Carl's writing another book. It'll be out in November. I hope my book in November will wipe his out. By the way, we're going to tell you about my new book today as well. But anyway, apparently Barr talked to Carl. Why? Barr's writing his own book. Why would he want to talk to a guy who hates Trump? And of course, um, Carl leaked what Barr said to the Atlantic magazine, far, far left. And now Trump is mad at Barr. So I asked myself to call Barr's office and say, very simply, why, why would you talk to him? Or did you talk to him? Now, I believe he did. I believe that the former attorney general did talk to Jonathan Carl, because if he didn't, he would deny it, right? Simple man, simple logic. But they wouldn't even answer that simple question. The bar office wouldn't answer it. Well, why, why would you do that? You got your own book coming out. Why do you want to give another book stuff? Makes absolutely no sense at all, across the board. And if you missed it, um, we went over it yesterday, in essence is 
Barr says that all the fraud stuff in the election is BS. It never got to a point where it would amount to anything, according to Jonathan Carl. Trump heard that, went ballistic, you know, bars this, bars that. Same old, same old, same old, same old. Okay. So um, other than that feud, and I don't know how big that's going to get, um, we are back to Donald Trump's overall strategy, which I'll tell you about in a moment. One footnote. Um, President Trump believes in his heart that that election was fraudulent. For that belief, he's being banned from social media. Think about it. Now, President Trump may be wrong, and I know a lot of you believe that the election was fraudulent, and you are perfectly within your constitutional rights to believe that. But unless there is evidence, and I don't know how you get the evidence because nobody's investigating it, and that's corrupt, I said early on, a special prosecutor should have been appointed to look into this election. Wasn't and isn't going to be. However, you can't make definitive statements by saying the election was a fraud if you want to do a legal analysis of the election because that evidence is not there. You can give an opinion. You can hold a belief, as President Trump does, but for you to definitively say, I know there was fraud, well, you better have a backup for that. And so far, there is no backup. And I don't believe there ever be a backup. Now, I follow this as close as any human being in the world follows it. I looked at what Georgia did. Georgia did a pretty good job. The Republican governor and uh, legislature there, they put the Georgia authorities on it. There was fraud in Fulton County but not enough to overturn that state's vote. Arizona, kind of chaotic out in Maricopa County. I don't know really what's happening there. Nevada, I'm convinced Nevada's corrupt. Convinced of it. Milwaukee, Philadelphia, yeah, there's problems. But unless you have a special prosecutor who has the ability to subpoena, to do forensics, to use the FBI and other federal agencies to go in, not going to get anywhere. And we don't have that. All right, so Donald Trump's strategy right now is to put himself up as the Republican standard bearer and to run again. What he's doing, okay? And he needs to get momentum. To me, and I didn't talk to him about it, uh, I'm, I'm sure I will next Wednesday when I see him. To me, I would await a little longer and assemble a little more data before I'd go out. The border, yeah, he's got enough. He's got enough on the border. That is crazy down there, what's happening. But in the economy, he's got to wait a little bit because the economy is going to be the decider. Now, right now, everybody knows they're paying more for gasoline, a lot more, 29% more since Biden's inaugurated. All right, food, we're paying between 5 and 10% more. And if you go out to eat, you're paying more. Restaurants have jacked their prices up. I went to one of my favorite restaurants the other day, another new menu. Whenever you see a new menu, you know why there's a new menu. And I said, you got some fours in front of the entree here. Once I see a four in front of the entree, I'm doing two appetizers. It's not that I'm cheap. It's not, I'm not going to just pay $45 for uh, some veal parmesan. And then I got to pay extra for the side. No. 
I'm not cheap. I'm smart. Okay, stupid people do that or people who don't care about it. Uh, Anyway, um, the next the next uh, all economic um, stats will be released July 13th. Now, we have the fastest growing inflation in 30 years now. That could be far worse July 13th because everything's going up. And that is what is going to sink Joe Biden. Am I going to make a prediction? Yes, I will. But I'm going to hedge it a little. If Joe Biden's administration blows up, if, it'll be because of the economy. Not the border, not the crime, not foreign affairs, the economy. And the odds of that, I'd bet on it. I put my money on it. The money that I save from the $45 veal parmesan, I'll put that on there. That that economy is going to hurt him bad. And all it has to do is hurt him for the next eight months, nine months, and then the 2022 midterms go to the Republicans, Biden's done. Finito. All over. Instead of having one thing on his calendar every day, he'll have nothing on his calendar every day, which I think he'll probably, he can just move out to Rehoboth. Joining us now from New York City, the former Assistant Secretary of the Treasury for Public Affairs, Monica Crowley. Okay, now you are smarter than I am, better looking than I am. Whatever it is, you're better than I am. So a lot of people hear inflation just like infrastructure, and their face just goes like this, right? So my first question is a simple one because I'm a simple man. There wasn't inflation for four years under Donald Trump. You were in the Treasury Department. Trump has spent a lot of money, record spending. Why wasn't there inflation? President Trump did spend a lot, Bill, and so did Republican Congresses as well. But the reason we did not have inflation in the Trump years is because, number one, interest rates were very low, so it made government borrowing a lot less expensive, and because we had a growing, thriving economy. And when you have a growing, thriving economy, more money comes back into the Treasury. So you had no inflation, you had strong economic growth, strong job creation, and strong wage growth. Okay, let, let me, let me no stop inflation. You. So it was a Goldilocks economy. Interest rates are still low, all right? The tax rates are the same today as they were under Donald Trump. Nothing's changed. That will, but it hasn't. So why is the inflation rate growing at a faster pace than any time in 30 years now. Why didn't it do that your last year in the Treasury Department? Two, Two reasons. Number one, we had an economic emergency last year related to the COVID pandemic. And when you've got an emergency, emergency level spending is totally justified. So because we had a wholesale shutdown of the U.S. economy, the government had to step in. So there was about three to four trillion dollars that was pumped into the economy to try to bridge the gap between the closure and the reopening of the U.S. economy, which started last year. This was an unprecedented fiscal and monetary response. So between the CARES Act and what the Fed did in terms of standing up emergency lending programs and pumping all this money into the economy, you had about $4 trillion over the course of last year sent into the U.S. economy. That's number one. Number two, what you have 
is Joe Biden already has spent $2 trillion. He's looking for an additional $3 trillion in social spending and quote-unquote infrastructure spending. And then you've got a nearly $6 trillion budget, which he and Bernie Sanders and AOC would like to push through. So if the Biden administration is able to get all of their desired spending bill, you're looking at over $10 trillion in spending this year. So the system is so awash in money, whether it's already been allocated or whether it's being proposed, that this is why you're seeing a rise in prices. In addition to the fact that the economy is, is reopening, so you have all of this pent-up demand going on, especially with airlines, hotels, restaurants, bars. People haven't been outside in a year and a half, so they're out there spending money, so they, and that's willing also to driving spend, prices up. And when consumers are willing to spend, companies raise their prices and small businesses raise their prices. All right. So there's a lot of money coming in, and that means the money that we have in the bank, that we've saved, that goes down in value, correct? That's correct. So okay, what stop, inflation stop, does stop, rise stop, in price? Okay. Stop. All right. So I have money in the bank. The money I have, I get a statement every month. The spending power of that money is declining. It's on the decline. All right. When will I know that I'm getting hurt? See, most people don't know. They have the money in their wallet. They go out. They buy dinner. They get gas. They know they're paying more, but they don't know the existing money they have is losing value. Will they ever know that? The press won't tell them that. You know that. No. That's a blackout. Right. You're not going to. Maybe the Wall Street Journal will tell you, but that's it. Um, so when are they going to feel that pain? So I think a lot of Americans are, because all you have to do is go to the grocery store or try to fill up your tank. I filled up my tank on Long Island today, Bill, and it was well over 50 bucks. <laughs> I almost fell over. So I think the American people are generally aware that prices for everyday items are climbing. The, the problem here is that on a parallel track, you've got wage inflation also going on because the government has paid more for people largely to stay home rather than go back to work. So businesses of all sizes have been competing with the government to try to bring their workers back. I think it's going to take a year. I think this time next year, um, late June next year, there's going to be a substantial shift in the economy downward. Um, because the COVID spending will be all gone. Um, uh, prices will be almost out of reach for some people, uh, particularly the poor. And, uh, you know, but Biden and the big government Democrats, the progressives, they want to continue to send money to people. All right. So you basically wouldn't be working for yourself or for a company. You'd be working for the feds in Washington because they're going to send you more and more and more and more and more. Big article in the Wall Street Journal today about that that they're setting up a system where you have to vote Democrat because they're going to send you money, whereas the Republicans are going to get in, they're going to cut all that. So therefore, the people who want the money from the government are going to vote Democrat. That's pretty much what it is, isn't it? Yes. They, their desire is to reshape uh, America by re-engineering the relationship between the economy, 
the state and the individual. They want ever-growing dependence on the federal government. And that's why in, in uh, Biden's budget reconciliation bill that he also wants to push through, he's got a $2 trillion tax increase in there, but sure. it's also chock-a-block with all of this new social spending. And the difference here, Bill, is that all of these new entitlement programs that he's proposing reach right into the middle class. So they want to get the middle class ever more addicted to government and government spending. Yeah, once those tax rises go up, that's going to be the beginning of the end for Biden, because that'll change the way corporations do business, small business. Then you're not going to see the robust hiring that you see now, okay, because companies are going to have to be paying so much more to the feds and the states. Um, They're going to lay people off. They're not going to invest in uh, research and development and on and on. All right, Monica, that was very fun. Uh, thank you for helping us out, and I hope you'll uh, come back anytime you want to come back because you liven up the program. <laughs> thank you so much, Bill, and it's okay. great to be back with you. Thank you. All right, so now here's a very important story, and this is on our sociological front. One of the uh, three disasters, and I'll, I'll reiterate them, you got the border disaster, you got the inflation and price rising disaster, and you got violent crime. Disaster. Three disasters in six months for Mr. Biden. Um, Violent crime in America is primarily driven by young black men. Okay. Now, again, you're not going to hear this in the media. It's never going to be reported to you. But I'm going to give you some stats. And that's why I always say you should have a pen and and a pad. Because when you're talking to your friends and your liberal friends or conservatives, it doesn't matter, you have these stats at, at hand, the conversation takes it on, on another level, a much more serious level. So the first stat is last year, in the middle of COVID, 8,600 African-Americans were murdered in the USA. 8,600, it's according to reporting done by the New York Post. The official stats aren't out yet, the Post said. I believe that stat is true, okay? In 2019, the year before COVID, it was 7,484 African-Americans killed, according to the FBI crime in the USA survey. So in two years, you have 16,000 African-Americans murdered, far beyond, proportionally, whites or Hispanics or Asians. So remember, blacks are 13% of the population. Out of those, let's see, 16,000 murdered, 89% were killed by other blacks. 89%. Blacks killing blacks. So on the white front, all right, 84% of whites killed were killed by other whites. So it's not blacks killing whites and vice versa. Blacks killing blacks, whites killing whites. 40% of all those convicted of murder in the United States are African-American. 40%. Again, 13% of the population. So you can see what is happening. If If the black homicide rate, if the victims, people being killed, and the murderers themselves would drop down to the percent level of the population... There wouldn't be any violent crime. It would be infinitesimal. Now, there are four reasons 
why young black males, and that's primary crew, are killing each other for. First of all, most of these perpetrators, most of these people arrested and convicted for murder, are unsupervised. They don't have a father in the home. So by the time they're 12 or 13, adolescents going into teenage years, their moms or grandmothers can't control them, physically can't control them. So if they want to go out of the house, going out of the house. They want to carry a gun, carrying a gun. They want to sell dope, they're going to sell dope. They want to take dope, they're going to take dope. And mom and grandma can't stop them. That's the truth. Father's gone. Okay. The second reason is that the white politicians and the black politicians, interestingly enough, so all politicians are afraid to tell you what I just told you. And I told you the truth. They won't say it and they won't confront it. They won't even discuss it. Why? Because if a white politician says what I just said, he's deemed a racist. You're racist. It's not young black males unsupervised the problem. It's systemic racism that's the problem. That's the third reason. So the progressive left, which now controls the media, their mantra is individual responsibility, people pulling the trigger. No, that's not important. Systemic racism made them do it. And if you disagree, you're a racist. So therefore, there's no discussion. There was none in the Trump administration. There was none in the Obama administration. And there isn't any in the Biden administration about the core problem unsupervised young black males. So if you're a kid in Chicago or New York City or LA and you have no father and your mom is working just to food, put food on the table, your grandma doing the best she can, whatever it may be, okay? You go out and who do you hang with? You're not hanging with the varsity football players unless you're a football player. You're not hanging with the intellectuals in the high school or middle school. You're hanging with the gang members. And the gang members recruit kids like this. They know who the weak kids are. They know who the unsupervised kids are. How many times have we seen a young 12, 13, 14-year-old, and it could be any color, by the way, not necessarily black, out and arrested at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and everybody goes, oh, where are the parents? They're not there. Kid wants to leave the house at midnight, Mom can't stop the kid. Mom calls the cop. Cops aren't going to do anything. Okay. So, and the final reason that this problem is never going to get better in my lifetime, and I don't believe it will, is because the left uses the violence in the black community. Uses it. And Chicago is the best example. It's going on for decades. They haven't done one thing to mitigate it. They use it to tell the people, the voters, our system's corrupt. Not the family is falling apart. Never. Our system, our whole system is corrupt. We need to change it and give power to the progressives who we know how to present a just society. Yes, social justice. Well, Black Lives Matter doesn't care about homicides. If they did, they'd be demonstrating in Chicago and New York and L.A. and other cities, Baltimore, St. Louis. That's where they'd be. They'd be demonstrating. Stop the murder. 
stop the homicide, right? Never. They don't care. They want to break the society down into a socialist situation where a central government controls everything we do. Okay, got it? Does everybody got it? If you disagree with me, please, bill at BillOReilly.com. Bill at BillOReilly.com. I don't know how on earth you could disagree with me. All right, I know what I'm talking about here. I know plenty of police, plenty of social workers, plenty of politicians. I've studied this issue myself. What I told you is 100% true. No one else will ever tell you that. Not in the television industry. Because if I said that on ABC, CBS, or NBC, I'd probably get fired. Probably. CNN, I'm unheard of. You never get that. Okay, California, which is the furthest left state, even worse than Oregon or Vermont, they have now added five more states to places that California state workers cannot go for business. They would be Florida, Arkansas, Montana, North Dakota, West Virginia. Okay, and so that's a total of 17 states that Sacramento says you can't go there if you work for our, the state government. You can't go to the states. Why? Because they don't like the LGBTQ policies in those states. So if you live in California, you know you're living in a fascist area. You know it. No two-party system there. You know it. You're trading. You're trading in nice weather. And perhaps you're making a nice living. Perhaps you have family and friends there. I understand. But you're trading. You're living in a fascist state. Okay, new book. So, as you know, Killing the Mob is going to be eight weeks, number one. I mean, this coming Sunday, 4th of July. There it is, number one. I'm, you know me, I'm pretty bombastic, but this caught me by surprise. And the reason that killing the mob is number one is that people want the truth about organized crime. And that's what I give you in all of my books. Killing Crazy Horse is still selling. In fact, they delayed the paperback for Killing Crazy Horse because the hardback still selling a couple of thousand copies a week. What's killing crazy us? The truth about the Native American wars. The truth. What's killing the mob? The truth about organized crime. Do you know J. Edgar Hoover was a bad guy? FBI buildings named after him. A bad guy. Not a good guy. Bobby Kennedy was a good guy in a war on crime. You know, people say, oh, Riley, you're a conservative Republican. Yeah, you think so? No, I'm a truth teller. So, I didn't want to put out another book this week. Didn't want to do it. I figured, ah, you know, how much promoting of books can I do? It gets boring for you, not for me. I mean, I like the books. But they said, the publisher said, please do us a favor. And they put out 10 killing books, all right? And the 11th will be released on November 2nd on the screen. Killing the Killers, the Secret War Against Terrorists. Now, keep that up for a, a minute, please. You're going to see a lot of 9-11 books. Obviously, 20th anniversary, you're going to see a lot of them. And there, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I'm going to read them. I know what happened on 9-11. This book, 
We, Martin Dugard and I, have been reporting this book for a year. By that I mean, you can come back to me. We're not just writing about what's on the record in the war against terrorists. We have uncovered, and I can't tell you how, classified information. Information you never heard. Kind of like killing the mob. There's info in there you never heard, never saw, but there's more of it in killing the killers. So the book is about not 9-11. It's what happened after 9-11 and how the U.S. government under Bush, Obama, and Trump, a little bit of Biden, but primarily Bush, Obama, and Trump, how they differed and how they went after the guys, the top guys in Al-Qaeda, ISIS, a lot of ISIS, Boko Haram, all of the savages who are committing mass murder all over the world to this day. You never hear about that because there are no reporters on the scene when a drone comes through the roof at 2 a.m. All there is the next day is vapor in some part of the world that you can't get to. And the U.S. government is not going to tell you what happened. It's classified. I will. We, Dugard and I, had access to almost every CIA director from General Petraeus on. Direct access. These men are patriots. And they want that story out. And because of my credibility, okay, more nonfiction books sold than any other human being ever in the world, 19 million copies of my books in print, that the CIA guys talk with me, candidly. Now, we don't quote them, but they backed up what they said. So this book is unlike all the others. I'm just going to read you one more paragraph from it. Killing the Killers reports on America's intense global war and manhunt against terrorist extremists that not only carried out the attacks on 9-11, but also executed hundreds of others both on American soil and globally. The authors trace America's efforts to defeat al-Qaeda and ISIS worldwide. In addition, O'Reilly and Ugard have gained access to top-secret national security documents, which is true, as well as interviewed the highest national security officials in the USA. Killing the Killers is a book that should be read thoroughly. Okay, so this book is going to come out again on November 2nd. Tremendous Christmas gift. Killing the Mob, we hope, will stay on the list until then. You may remember that at one time I had the number one and number two book on the New York Times list. It was Killing Lincoln and Killing Kennedy. Kennedy was number one when it just came out, Lincoln number two. I don't know if that's going to happen this time again, but I wanted to bring Killing the Killers to your attention. And if you want more information about it, just go to BillOReilly.com. We got a little link to their homepage on the publisher, St. Martin's Press, and all that. This day in history, June 29, 2007, Apple iPhone goes on sale. You know, it was just 14 years ago. 14 years ago, Steve Jobs, all right, announces we got this phone and we're going to combine the telecommunications where you can call up somebody. You can text 
and you can go to Facebook and all these other places. So in the first year, the iPhone sold 2 million, 2 million phones, 2007. 10 years later, 17, 216 million. Amazing. More amazing than my books. <laughs> um, as of the first quarter last year, last stats available, 2.2 billion iPhones have been sold. Apple has made $142 billion. Boy. So that all happened 14 years ago today. Upside, instant communication that's important for parents. Keep in touch with their kids. And information that's important for me. I can pop that thing in if I need to know something. And there it is. Very important. Downside, it creates isolation. People live their lives with this in their hand, like this. Neck down, head down. When the head is down, you're missing what's happening in real life. You're missing it, like this. You get addicted. They are addicting. It's like opioids. iPhones are addicting. You know it. You know it. How many times in the middle of the night do you ever hear a little voice, check your phone? Kids are the most addicted. And then social skills erode. I mean, I've been through this. To actually talk to somebody and have them compute the information coming to them verbally, you got to do it three, four times. Because they're so used to looking at the text, they can't, they can't absorb it. What? 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 You wanted a meatball hero and what? What? Eh. Downside. I'm going to get into that a little bit more tomorrow on uh, how the iPhone has eroded personal skills. All right, good mail segment. A final thought on I can help you out. Coming right back. Everything is expensive these days. You know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its free fall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Let's do the mail. Uh, Mark uh, Putzig, Louisville, Kentucky. Bill, didn't President Trump select William Barr as the Attorney General? My lifetime, I can't recall a current or former president being so vocal in criticism and disappointment with his own staff appointments. True. You know, uh, Donald Trump gets very angry about people who go against him. There's no doubt about it. Noreen, I want to comment on Bill Barr. He openly said it was fraud in the 2020 election. That's true. However, not enough to, outcome, to change the outcome. If you add up all the incidents of fraud, I believe it would have changed the outcome. Again, you've got to have that solid info. 
and it is not there. Maybe it will be someday. Elise Concierge, remember Joe Biden is already in the historical depths of James Buchanan. My husband and I are considering leaving the USA. We just can't find a better country. It'll be hard to do that. If you do want to leave, make sure you live in the country that you've selected a couple of months because there really is no place like home, as Dorothy once said. Uh, Sandra Lucas, Pomp Springs. If Trump runs and is elected, would he be eligible for two terms since Biden served four years in between? No. Grover Cleveland, two non-consecutive terms. That's all for president. Ron Valenzuela, Palm Desert, California. Bill, you have read numerous articles on why people should get vaccinated and how great it is to be vaccinated, but not one word about the horrible side effects and numerous healthy people dying after being vaccinated. Give me one. Send it on in. Because I don't know of any numerous people being vaccinated. Um, I don't know of any. Ron. So if you know of somebody died from the vaccination, please let me know. Best course of action, listen to your personal physician. All right. But there's no accident that we in the United States are almost out of this COVID thing, where most other countries in the world that don't have the vax are still in lockdown. Edwin Holmes, Quinns Rocks, Washington. Um, I'm sorry, Quinns Rocks, Australia. Here in Australia, our government, state and federal is not letting anyone leave the country. And if you're out of the country and come back, you've got to stay in a hotel quarantine for 14 days. There you go. Okay, one more letter and then we'll get to the final thought. Got our tickets for the O'Reilly Trump tour. So excited uh, that you are doing this great move. I don't know if it's going to be a great move. I think I'm going to age. But uh, put it on the screen where we are, and uh, you can get tickets. Great 4th of July gift. I know most people don't give gifts on the 4th of July, but great gift. And uh, there it is, Sunrise, Florida, Orlando, Dallas, Houston. Come see us. You will not be disappointed. And da, 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 da. what else? Word of the day, moon calf, M-O-O-N-C-A-L-F. Don't be a moon calf. And uh, if you buy any killing book, get 20% off. BillOReilly.com store. Back with the final thought in a moment. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day, And we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Okay, so we're telling you about uh, the concierge membership, and I got a couple of testimonials here I want to read you. Um, This is on BillOReilly.com. You get direct access to me. So Guy in Florida says, my dad passed away 10 years ago, and I miss him. Bill O'Reilly has filled that void. His honesty sometimes is brutal, but it is needed. I know his reporting and comments about life in general give me great perspective and is valued immensely. So Guy asked me a few personal questions. I'm not going to violate his confidence, and I helped him out. Um, Rick in Texas. Bill helped me a couple of times. First, he calmed me down and explained I shouldn't expect to convince liberal family members of my viewpoint regarding Donald Trump. Another time, Bill advised me on how to get a refund from my cruise line for a canceled voyage. I did what he said and got 
more than $10,000. Okay, I'm good at this. I can help you. I will help you. But you got to be a concierge member on BillOReilly.com. So I want you guys to uh, have a good uh, Tuesday evening. Tomorrow, we'll cover the Trump uh, border exposition. And um, I'm working hard. I got a little nasal, but it's going away. And we'll see you tomorrow.